this morning I'm going to talk about something a little bit different that I don't think I've ever talked about before as the title of a message, but the, the title of my message is Betrayers. Betrayers. Is there anybody here that has ever been betrayed by some? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Haven't we all been at one point in time betrayed by somebody? Well, and, and I think that, that uh, it bears talking about in this Easter season, in the, uh, we, first, the first person we think about, right? When we think about the betrayer, we think about who? Judas, everybody's like, oh, Judas, he's a bad boy. And there's another guy that I want to talk about this morning, too. He was somebody that betrayed King David. And, and there's some similarities there that I think is, is very important for us to go into. S several years back, when I was living in Colorado, there was a vet in the area. It was a small town. And there's a veterinarian there, and he had blue healer dogs. And blue healer dogs are dogs that are bred to, to chase cattle into the catch pens and to, to I mean, they're, they're cow dogs. But sometimes the, the dogs get confused about what a cow is and what a person is. Yeah. And they, they don't, they don't, sometimes it doesn't just calculate in their mind. And this veterinarian has some blue healers. And the funny thing about those blue healers, when you were looking at them, but you turn your back on one of them, they're going to get you. And they're going to bite you on the back of your leg. But as long as you're facing them, anybody know anybody like that? As long as you're facing them, looking them in the other. I'm so spiritual. I'm so holy. <laughs> and then, we, then we're like, that, that person goes to church and, and uh, he's supposed to be a Christian and look at him now. And then we, then we, if we're not careful, we judge God by how people act. And then if we're not careful, we will be offended. By somebody, I don't know. I'm sure none of y'all have ever been offended by church people. <laughs> so you know what I, I've always said this. If you ever find a perfect church, don't join it. Because you'll mess it up. <laughs> right? Aren't we all people right there at the foot of the cross that really need help? Is there anybody here this morning that just needs a lot of help? My name's Randy Weaver. I need a lot of help. My wife would tell you that. Oh, I need help. But who doesn't need help? Only the arrogant and the prideful people. I'm good. I'm good. Betrayers, betrayers. In John chapter 13, Jesus said this. It says, he who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. The one that I have spent time on, the one that I've invested in, the one that I have befriended, the one who has spent, 
spent the night in my house and, and we, have, we have spent time together, actually years together. The one that we ate breath. And one of the things that I think is important we understand here that throughout all of the Old Testament and the New Testament, back in those times, if you broke bread with somebody, all you had to do was come under the roof of somebody's home and break bread with them. When you broke bread with somebody, what it was, it was symbolic of a covenant that you had that you make with them, that you will be loyal to them if you invite them under the covering of your roof and you break bread with them and you eat bread and you fellowship with them, that you are making a covenant with them to protect them and to help them in everything that they do throughout their life, that you'll be faithful. Everybody say faithful. faithful. And loyal to those people. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. Then King David in Psalms 41.9 said this, my closest, my close friend whom I trusted who ate bread, he who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. The same, Jesus used the same exact words that David used in the Psalms. Now, while they're staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them that the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. Coming into the Easter season, I believe it's necessary to point out that we would have no Easter without the betrayer. There would be no crucifixion Without the betrayer, there would be no cross. Mm. God ultimately takes what is bad and turns it into good. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Anybody with me? Yeah, like bad, and then God shows up and good comes out. That's what he does. Although we wonder why at times God allows evil people Sometimes he allows evil people to prevail. It's sometimes his plan to use such individuals to accomplish a greater purpose. I want to talk this morning about two betrayers, Ahithophel, try to say that fast five times, Ahithophel, Ahithophel, you can't do it. And Judas. John chapter 12 talks about Mary anointing Jesus with the expensive perfume. You remember that just before Jesus went to the cross, Mary uh, anointed Jesus, and, and it's symbolic of him, his, him being prepared for burial. And you remember the wise men, they brought perfume anointment uh, to Jesus whenever he was a baby because they knew they pro prophetically that Jesus was actually born that he might die. So the words in this, it says, my house was filled with fragrance, the fragrant oil, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Verse 6, 
This he said, not that he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. Now, I mean, we could preach about that all day long. (laughs) The guy that Jesus trusted, now we know that Jesus was and is God. Jesus knew, you know Jesus knew what Judas was doing. But he said, the one, I'm like, if I knew somebody, it's like, when we passed the bucket, one time I heard about a guy, he took a little bit out, and I said, go ahead and take it, it's for, for the heathen anyway. <laughs> Help people. But Jesus allowed Judas to be Judas. Jesus didn't intimidate, manipulate, or control Judas. Jesus made himself available for Judas to make the choice whether he would follow Jesus or would he would follow his own greed and lust for money and for power. By the way, those are the ones who are more apt to betray than the ones who will follow closely. But Jesus said, let her alone, let Mary alone, because she has kept this for the day of my burial. Listen to this. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. You know, a lot of people get real busy doing a lot of things. And you can be the best person doing things for the poor, but if you don't give Jesus the attention that he deserves, your work is in vain. Right after Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Oh, by the way, Judas was a disciple, and Jesus taking on a towel in the form of a servant because their feet were dirty. He washed the disciples' feet. Did you know that he knew that Judas would would turn him into the Roman soldiers, but Jesus washed his feet anyway? You think about the person that you don't like the most. Anybody got any of them? Would you do something kind for that person knowing that he was or she was the one who was going to betray you? You see, my point is is that we have a long way to go if we really want to be like Jesus. (laughs) If there's any arrogance or pride in you, and by the way, pride is the biggest sin in America today. We are a prideful people. John 13, 18, it says, I am not speaking of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. 
So 2 Samuel, move over. Let's move over to David's story here. 2 Samuel 11 through 17, the chapters 11 through 17, tells the story of Ahithophel. King David's trusted counselor. It said, <clears throat> it said in the scripture that when Ahithophel spoke, it was as though it was the word of God speaking to the people. I mean, we're not talking about a guy that just kind of, just kind of back on the outs, outskirts of the kingdom, just, just badgering and, you know, the mouthy people. And the, this was one of David's. No, this was David's, King David's chief advisor when it came to the things of God. I read stories. Whoops, sorry. I do that all the time. Kicked over the oil. I read stories all the time of pastors, of board members, of Sunday school teachers, of people who work in the church, what we call falling from grace. They make a mistake. And we in church, we tend to be more able to forgive little mistakes than we do bigger mistakes. I'm waiting for a little bit of an amen out of you because we, we need to understand that, that we, uh, <laughs> we judge pretty deep. As Christians, a lot of times we judge people and we say, we'll forgive this, but we won't forgive that. I'll put up with this, but I won't put up with that. Aren't you glad that Jesus forgave you of your big deal? Anybody got any of them big deals in your past that you're trying to forget that God has already forget, forgotten? He forgot them deals because he cast your sin as far as the east is, the east is from the west. But we remember those things because we don't have the power, but we know that God forgives. And because God forgives, who are we not to forgive? Ahithophel. Ahithophel, he's, he's like David's son, Absalom, was in the process of betraying his father. Because Absalom wanted to be the king. So Absalom, he went out to the gates of the city and, and people who would come, who would come, was wanting to come to get uh, into the king's favor to figure things out. Absalom, they knew that Absalom was the king's son because of the power and the influence that David had given to Absalom. Absalom would not have had that power and influence had it not been for his daddy. But he took that influence and he abused the influence that had been granted to him from his father. And he began to manipulate the people into, in, into believing in him so he could be the king instead of his daddy because he had this root of bitterness inside of him. So it just so happens that, that the kingdom 
is departing from David. Why? Why is this happening? Well, you may recognize a lady's name that I want to bring up to you right now. Her name is Bathsheba. Anybody remember? Well, David, he's over there. He's just minding his own business. When all the other kings went out to war, he was, he was just kind of laid back. And Bathsheba, she's over there taking a bath. That's why they call her Bathsheba, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I just made that up. I never said that before ever, I promise. I just thought of that. Oh, that makes sense. And you all know the story. He brought Bathsheba in, and then uh, he, uh, she got pregnant, and David uh, bring, brought uh, Uzziah in, her husband, thinking, well, we'll fix this best we can. Did you know whenever you mess something up, there's a little saying that says, be sure your sin will find you out. And so he, in Uzziah, he's faithful and loyal to the king, and he won't go back to the house to sleep with his wife because all of his other comrades. You know, there's something to be said about loyalty and something about, to be said about being faithful to, to, the, to what you call. He wouldn't even go back to his house to sleep with his wife. And so David sent word out to Joab, the, the leader of the army, to, to, for, for, to come up to the wall and then back away from Uzziah, and Uzziah got killed. Bad deal. We're talking about adultery here. We're talking about murder. We're talking about some real bad things. So who is Ahithophel? I'm glad you asked that question. Ahithophel, <clears throat> fasten your seatbelt. Ahithophel is Bathsheba's grandpa. Different light on things now, isn't it? So Ahithophel has this temptation to entertain this bitterness, and if he's not careful, he'll be able to, listen to this, justify his position because we all know if somebody messes with my kids, messes with my family, they're going to be messing with me. And how many times have we made declarations about, that's my daughter. <laughs> you right? Any, we got any dads or grandpas out there? You got daughters? I mean, it's like, man. So Ahithophel, he's the guy with David. And then, listen to this. He is one of the, if not, the closest confidant of David. He is closer to David than anybody else. Ahithophel. So, what happens here, Ahithophel knows all, everybody say all, all of David's stuff. David had five other wives. He didn't need to go find another one. Who would, I mean, like, really? That's like, that's enough. Like, four too many. 
But when you're always looking over the balcony of life and you're always looking for something else, the devil, the tempter himself, will always provide something for you to be tempted with as long as you're looking for it. But if you're not looking for it and you make up your mind that this is the line and I'm not going to cross over it, chances are real good you're going to walk through that temptation. I didn't say you weren't going to have the temptation. You're always going to have the temptation. But how you respond to that temptation depends on your resolve ahead of time of that temptation. Have you ever watched a movie and you knew the end of the movie and then you told your wife or whoever's sitting there next to you, then they're like, don't spoil it, don't spoil it. There's a little girl, she's watching a movie about, about Jesus and about the cross and while the movie was going on the cross, uh, Jesus went on the cross and, and tears began to fall down her cheek and she was, and her mom looked over at her and man, she's taking all this in and, and, uh, then after they put Jesus in the tomb, the little girl jumped up on the arm of the couch and she began to smile. And she looked over at, mom, at, her, at her mom and she says, now comes the good part. <laughs> the good part. What is the good part? The good part is the redemption of mankind. The good part is whenever we have gone through and messed up, which we have all done because we have all, everybody say all, we have all sinned and come short of the glory that God has for us all. We've all been there. We've all done that. Every one of us got that t-shirt. As bad as we hate it. When we think of Good Friday... Good Friday coming up. I always like, why, why do they call it Good Friday, right? Because it was terrible for Jesus. But really another word actually in the Greek is, is interpreted holy. Holy Friday. <clears throat> and I like that better because it, it describes the holiness that happened on Friday. And the word holy actually means set apart for a purpose. That Friday, over 2,000 years ago, was set aside for a purpose. And because of Judas and because of the betrayal and because of the arrest and because Jesus submitted himself to the cross where he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free, he submitted himself to the cross because he understood that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness, there is no redemption for mankind. And he gave himself as a ransom for whoever would make up their mind to come close to Jesus, but not become too familiar with Jesus. What do I mean by that? What happens is, have you ever wondered why Christians take God's name in vain? That, I'll just be honest with you, that kind of ticks me off. It really 
But I would submit to you that the closer you get to God, the more familiar you can become with him. And then you'll refer to him as the man upstairs. Me and Jesus, we got our own thing going. No, you don't. You don't have your own thing going. God's got his thing going, and he lets you be a part of his thing. Don't ever become too familiar. And take on a familiar spirit when it comes to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Humble ourselves in the sight of God, and then he will lift you up. Don't you be trying to lift yourself up. That's not your job. Your job is to lift him up, and then he will do his job and lift you up. But what happens is the people, and you can relate to this, everybody in here I believe can relate to this because the closer you get to somebody, the more familiar and the more tempted you become to become familiar with them. And there is what, what I call a familiar spirit that takes place in a relationship if we don't have that kind of honor for that individual that God has for that individual. Even though God knows all of the trash in a person's life, he still honors that person because that person is still God's greatest treasure. God loves you no matter how stupid we get. No matter how much transgression we have, not just the little things, but the big things. He honors us and he loves us. And all we have to do is say, God, please forgive me and humble ourselves in the sight of God so that he will lift us up. But in my own personal life, the people that have hurt me the most are the ones that I allowed to get closest to me. What happens when you bless people, when God blesses people, many times, if we're not careful, we will believe that those blessings are a product of our own good works, that those blessings are a product of our own ingenuity, that those blessings are a product of a self-made man. Let me tell you something. You did not make yourself. And the goodness that God has for you is the blessing that God has said that I love you in the middle of your problems, in the middle of your situation, but never so that we can become so familiar with one another or with God that we don't honor one another or we don't honor God. Therefore, he made this commandment. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself the two greatest commandments if you love God and if you love people now let me tell you the reason for in my opinion the greatest reason for divorce in our world today and divorce is divorce percentages are too high and I realize that we have probably 50 percent of the church today has been divorced and I'm not, I'm not, trust me, I'm not getting after you for getting a divorce because one of the things the devil does, he will always, uh, he'll always uh, bring condemnation to you about things that you can't do anything about. 
and which is your past, right? Because you can't do anything about it, whether in your marriage it was your fault or it was your spouse's fault. The devil will still bring it up to you. Even if it wasn't your fault, he'll still bring it up to you. Because he likes to, he likes to, he just, he like, he's like bad. But I will say this. In the situation that you're in this morning is the same situation that I'm in with my wife. There's times when we get too familiar with one another. In other words, we know which buttons we can push with each other. Amen. If you're not saying amen, amen, chances are real good. We got altars down here for you. <laughs> But what happens in divorce is we become too familiar and we know, we know that other person's problems more than anybody in the outside world knows them. And, and if we're not careful, we will <clears throat> try to play the role of fixing our spouse. How's that working out for you? <laughs> so my point with that is with Judas... I would have thought that Jesus would have got a hold of Judas. Hey, I know you're stealing that money. I know you're going to turn me in. I'm, you're a sorry outfit. <laughs> Jesus, listen to this. He didn't even try to fix Judas. Y'all got to stay with me. I'm telling you, Judas had to make the decision and the choice on his own to follow Jesus or to not follow Jesus, just like we all have to make the choice on our own to follow Jesus or not to follow Jesus. But the decision is ours alone to make, and Jesus will never make you follow him. No more than we should make our spouse do the right thing, whatever we think the right thing is. But when we love somebody, when we love our spouse, because love never fails. Being controlling fails. Being manipulative fails. Being intimidating fails. But love never fails. Jesus didn't even do that with Judas. He loved him, but he didn't manipulate him into following him. And that's why he's given you and he's given me the authority over ourselves to make the right decision. Because nobody else has authority over you like you have authority over you. Unless you're under the age of 18 then your mom and daddy have authority over you too oh, I, got, I got a lot of notes here but I don't even know where I'm at great great sermon be nice to be able to preach it but betrayal is something we, we have all dealt with from time to time today um, we focus on these two, these two individuals. Betrayal is much too common in our society today. 
family feuds, friends that turn on us, workplace problems, competitions with each other. Although we wonder why God allows evil people to prevail, it is sometimes his plan to use individuals to accomplish a greater purpose, perhaps to temper us. You see, too many times we're so critical of other people in the way that they act that we never look at ourselves in the way that we act. It's much easier to be critical of somebody else than it is to look on our, on our own selves. But I will say this too, that there is a betrayal of other people, but there is also, I just thought of this last night, there is a betrayal of self. A betrayal of what God intended for me to do as an individual, and I have betrayed myself by saying I'm not good enough. I have betrayed myself because I have not invested in the word of God or the kingdom of God enough to know what God's plan is for my life, who I have been created to do. So I have actually betrayed myself, if that makes sense. Psalm 55, 12 through 14 says, For it is not an enemy who taunts me, David said this, then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me. Then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house. We walked in throng. Isn't it something how you can walk with somebody in God's house and then something happens? Psalm 41.9 says, even my close friend whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. Then quoted in John chapter 13 and 18, talking to Jesus, he said, I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. I'm telling you this now before it takes place, that he, the one I eat with. So Judas and Ahithophel, they share some similarities. Both were granted positions of authority. By the way, when you have authority, the more authority you have, the easier it is to abuse that authority. When you the more you have, the easier it is to abuse it, whether it is authority, whether it is power, whether it is money, no matter what it is, when you are elevated, and we see this in our world today, we see it in our political system, we see it in, in, in our nation, the more power and the more authority people have, the more tempted they are to be narcissistic, to believe in themselves and to let God out of their life because they, in fact, believe that they have become like God. Both were disillusioned. Both were generally trusted. Ahithophel, because, David, because of David's horrible sin of murder and adultery, Ahithophel was Bathsheba's grandfather, probably his way of justifying his rebellion. So when you rebel, do you try to justify it? That's the question. 
When there's a problem and you begin to act on that problem and it is because of a familiar spirit inside, if we're not careful, we will justify. There's only one who justifies. It's the one who has been justified, who provided justification for you and for me, and that is Jesus because he went to the cross and he went to the cross on Good Friday or Holy Friday because he was set apart for the purpose of redeeming the people in Montgomery, Texas, and everybody watching online. Thank God. So God confronted David through Nathan the prophet and announced that his baby to be born would die and that he would, that he would be on the run for a while due to an uprising. This was David's punishment. The uprising, his own son Absalom, but also Ahithophel. Man, what a, what a convoluted life sometimes we lead. Is, is, is it just me or is anybody out there, sometimes your life gets a little bit complicated. The peace will only come through the prince of peace. And we can focus on our problem and we can focus on the issues of life. We can focus on our enemies and we can focus on our friends who have become our enemies. Or we can love them and pray for them and love God and appreciate the issues and the problems in our life. Because with those problems in the valleys is where the grass grows. And when you get up above timberline in the mountains, nothing's growing up there because there's no water and there's no uh, Oxygen. So where are you going to grow? It's down in the valleys. But where do we hate to be the most? Oh, we get up on top of the mountain. Mm, this sure is pretty out here. I love it out here. But there's no food. You won't grow up on the mountain. You'll love it and it'll feed your flesh and it'll fill you up. But it won't fill up. You're going to be stronger when you go through the valleys. And that's what David had to go through. Judas became disillusioned because of Jesus' obedience to the Father's will. Did you know that in our world, in our country today, and because of the disillusionment in our nation today, that people don't really appreciate it when you stand up for Jesus. They don't want you to be a Bible thumper. They don't want you telling them that the truth of the word of God in love because there's a disillusionment. You see, Absalom was able to disillusion the, the, the faithfulness to the king, King David, because he was good at it. He was a handsome man and his, his, he had a lot of hair. <laughs> you know what happened to him, right? He got his hair hung up in the thorns and, the, and, the, and, they, and they, he was hanging there by his head. And, and uh, David's men killed him. And then David, David told him to take care of him. Even through all the problems, he said, don't, don't harm my son Absalom. See, that was the heart that David had for God. Not the heart that he had, not, not the heart that he had when he was with Bathsheba. But you see, God saw David's heart, and he said that David was a man after God's own heart. And I'm like, well, he messed up. Y'all, come on. 
I said, David messed up. But he's still a man after God. Well, why? Because God knew what was in his heart. And sometimes your actions are not what's in your heart, but it's what's in your head. And we, that's why we have to be careful what we let come in to our head. Be careful what you think. Be careful what you allow yourself to buy into. Be careful about what you look at on Facebook and then buy into. Because the world would like to stir you up. I'm talking to somebody this morning. We got some stirred up people. You get stirred up for God. You get stirred up for the truth. It's about time the church woke up and got stirred up for biblical truth in the word of God and loved people the way that God loves people. Live the way that God wants us to live. Walk the way he wants us to walk. Let the light shine before men that they might see God, see our good works and glorify the Father. My goodness, we don't need any more glory, but God needs a lot of glory. God help us. So who was it that, that betrayed Jesus? We, we're real good at, I mean, like, at the beginning of the sermon, I'm like, who betrayed Jesus? Everybody, Judas, Judas. I knew the answer to that. Right? So near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And we know that John was there because he said he, he, said he committed his mother to John for John's keeping. But other than that, we don't know, we don't know who all really was close to Jesus when the pressure came. If there was a lot of pressure in this world today and, and, and if you couldn't buy or sell, if you couldn't buy food or sell, sell what you have, your goods, uh, without taking on the government's identity, and the pressure came onto us whether we're, how loyal are we going to be to God? We have to be able to endure through some things as Christian people. And if, we, if we're weak uh, spiritually, we can be weak physically, but we cannot allow ourselves to be weak spiritually. And the only way that happens is when we follow Jesus closely. We say, I would never betray Jesus. You remember Peter did, right? Peter betrayed the ones who are closest to us have the most temptation to betray us. So you can be close to Jesus, but you can be close to Jesus for the wrong reason. Like, like, I don't know if you knew it or not, but some preachers mess up. It's all in the news, right? Preacher failed, preacher failed, preacher failed. 
We've got to do this for the right reason. We can't be up here on stage. We can't be singing. We can't be singing in the choir. We can't be playing the piano. We can't be up here for the wrong reason. We can't be teaching the classes for the wrong reason. We can't be teaching the children for the wrong reason. We can't be teaching our children for the wrong reason. We can't be doing this so that we will receive the recognition, but so that God will get the glory because of what we have done. Because anytime we make it about us, we're taking glory away from God. Then our own arrogance and our pride destroys us. A large number of people followed him, including the women who mourn and wail. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. It says they watched at a distance. They followed him, but they followed him at a distance. My question to you is, how close are you to Jesus this morning? And the answer to the question is always different for everybody, right? Sometimes we're going through some things in life. We're like, I don't feel very close to God. But he said to draw nigh unto me and I will draw nigh unto you. His point is, is that get close to God and the closer you get to God, the closer he'll take to you. You take one step toward him, he'll take five steps towards you. But we can't be, become so familiar with him that we uh, refer to him as the man upstairs or the one, uh, the big guy. Matthew 24, 10, it says, then many will be offended and betray one another. It's talking about the end times. I'm talking, and, and I don't know if this is the end times or not. I'll be honest with you. But I know one thing, we're closer than we ever been before to the end times. But it said this about the end times. It says many, everybody say many. Many will be offended. We got that down, right? Everybody and their dog's offended. Like, I'm offended, that offends me, I've, and will betray one another and hate one another. Listen, I don't think since the Civil War maybe has there been so much offense, betrayal, and hatred in America. I haven't. I, this is just different today. Mark 13, 12, it says, Brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death in the last days. And then in Romans chapter 8, this is an interesting scripture. It says, verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And we always kind of stop there and we're like, I got that part down. Let's read the next part though, shall we? Let's see what it says now. Who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Jesus, in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh because he took on our sins. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Thank <laughs> you. 
We, I say we, I, I mean, when I say we, I mean like all of us. I believe here's the, the scripture says that Satan is the father of deception. What that means is that he's better at that than anybody else. He's like the father of deception. And many times, you've heard me say this before, but deception is so strong that many times we'll sit through a sermon and we'll say, man, I got through that one. That doesn't apply to me. And then the spirit of deception comes on us because we're deceived and we just, and we, 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 we're real good at using these two words. I'm good. I'm good. Well, I just want you to know there's only one that is good. <laughs> and he's here today, but he ain't sitting in the chair. He's the king of kings, and, and he's worth glory, and he's worth honor, and, he, and, he, and he's worth uh, being in awe of. My mom and dad never let me run in the church. They're like, that's God's house. They never, anybody with me? Anybody ever, ever get, get in trouble for running in church? Look. Well, I hear what they're saying, but really, this is, this is God's building. I mean, he, he belongs to it, but it's not God's house. This is God's house. This is God's house. And what my mom and daddy was saying is, don't disrespect God's house. Don't disrespect God's house. Let's not become so familiar with one another that we don't respect one another. Let's not become so familiar with ourselves that we don't respect ourselves. You got to live with you. You're not going anywhere because you're going to be with you. No matter where you go, you're going to be there. And you can run from you, but you can't hide from you because you're going to always be with you. I believe that there has been a betrayal of self in a lot of people because God has designed you and built you in a way and you are fearfully and wonderfully made and you have run down God's creation too long. And I have come today as a messenger from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and he is telling you today that he has a place for you in his kingdom. The real you, not the you that you've been running from or the you that you don't like. God has a place for you in his kingdom. It's easy to talk about other people betraying other people. And I could, have, I could have given you a lot of illustrations about how many times in my life, in ministry, I just really felt betrayed. 
I could just sit up here forever, but some of them might be watching online. <laughs> That's not what this is about, though. It's about respect for people and respect for ourselves. And more than anything, respect for God. If you're going to have communion with God, if you're going to break bread with God in communion, you're making a covenant with God. We have communion every month. And we're going to have communion again. But next time you have communion and you break bread, you're breaking bread with God and you're making a covenant to him that to the best of your ability, you will stay loyal to him and walk in the covenant that you are breaking bread with him for that purpose. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thank you for your many blessings. Give us your heart and your word and your wisdom. In Jesus' name. I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning. This morning, if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I think it's important, like I said before, we have all sinned. We've all messed up. But when we come into covenant with God, when we accept him as our personal Savior, then we begin to walk in the fullness that God has for us. It's not that we're perfect, but it's that we have been forgiven and that we have made a decision to come into a covenant with God. If you've never in your life accepted Jesus as your personal Savior, the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God's raised him from the dead, that we shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from eternal damnation. Saved from, from, <clears throat> saved from not being in God's presence. Because the greatest gift I would submit to you today is not just getting to go to heaven, but more than anything, it's having the presence of God in your life while we're walking on this earth. Who doesn't need that? So this morning, if you've never asked him into your heart and you've, you've never invited him, if I came to your house and said, said uh, and just walked into your house and got in your refrigerator and, and, and got me a, a bowl of cereal, you, you say, preacher, what are you doing in here? God's not going to invite you. God's not going to come into your house, into your temple, which is your body. He's not going to come in there unless you invite him. So this morning, if you've never done that, that's the first step in finding peace with God. So this morning, if you've, if you've never done that, or maybe if you haven't, you, you really just haven't been living for him. Simply by raising your hand, say, Preacher, I need Jesus in my life, and I want to make him the Lord of my life. We want to put a Bible in your hand. Slip your hand up, anybody. Preacher, that's me. I need God in my life. Preacher, that's me. Yep, thank you. We're going to put a Bible. Give you a Bible. Leave your hand up till we get a Bible in it. Anybody else? Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. It's the greatest decision. The Bible says it's a gift of God. It's not of works. You can't, you can't work to get good enough. You're already we're, we're flawed people. But our pride many times keeps us from making that decision. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. I need Jesus. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Anybody else? I feel like there's somebody online watching that God has spoke to your heart this morning about accepting Christ as your personal Savior. And, and I just invite you because I'm going to pray in a minute. And I invite you to, to accept Christ as your personal Savior. 
whenever we pray. This one that raised your hand, would you mind looking up at me? Would you mind coming up and let me pray with you? Come on up here and let me pray with you. I'd be honored. You're a sweet girl. That's good. Look at you. What's your name? Faith. What a great name. You know what the Bible says, right? It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. This is a great scripture for you, isn't it? Can I help you pray? Just repeat after me. Now listen, y'all that are watching online, if you want to invite Jesus to come into your heart, pray along and believe in your heart. We're going, me and Faith, we're going to pray with our mouth, but Faith's going to believe in her heart, and you can believe in your heart. And listen, if you meant to raise your, or maybe you were just a little shy about it. I'm sure we don't know no shy people here, but if you're shy about it and you want to invite Jesus, please pray this prayer with me, okay? Let's pray, Faith. Just repeat after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward, I give my life to you. Help me to read my Bible, to pray, show up for church, and get baptized. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I'm so proud of you. Can you give me a hug? Hey, listen, go visit that lady for just a second, please. Thank you, Faith. Would you stand with me, please? And if you, uh, if, if you ask Jesus to come into your heart and you're watching online this morning, uh, if you'll say something to the people online, we'll, we'll get a Bible to you, too. Amen? Thank you for being here. I'm so honored to have you. And I know that God appreciate your effort to make him the Lord of your life. And I want to say this, everybody watching online, we are having life church too. Like if you're, if you're in this area and you can come, uh, we got room in the 1130 and the 7 o'clock service. This one's pretty full. <laughs> How many need a healing in your heart this morning? Uh, you've been betrayed or maybe you've been a betrayer. I mean, really, haven't we all been a betrayer? Yeah. Whoa, 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 preacher, whoa. Listen, if we've messed up and we sinned, we've betrayed God. So I think we're all in there somewhere along the way, right? So we're going we're gonna to raise our hands and ask God to help us to follow him closely, not at a distance, right? Let's all raise our hands and surrender to God. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for your blessings. Lord, today we have been honored to be in your presence. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to be faithful to you in every area of our lives. And I pray, oh God, that you would help us to be uh, doers of the word and not hearers only. Help us, Lord, to honor you and to honor your word, oh God, and to know your word. Not to be superficial when it comes to the things of your word, Lord, but to be deep into scripture. And we thank you for it. Bless your church, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love y'all. We've got a prayer team up here if you need special prayer. Love to have you.